All right. Assalamualaikum, everyone. Uh, my name is Uzair Yunus. I'm host of the podcast Pakistanomy. And today we're going to be talking about Pakistan's budget, which in the words of Finance Minister Shaukat Tareen, he tweeted it out a couple of hours ago saying the economy is back on track, exclamation mark. Um, so we're going to be trying to get a sense of what this budget is all about, what are some of the key takeaways, um, and how um, some of our analysts that are joining me here today view um, this announcements and, and the outlook for the economy for the next year or even for the next six months or so, because the year can at times be hard to predict, especially with the pandemic that's ongoing um, as well. So the way we're going to do this discussion is um, start off with having uh, Fasi Mangi, who's a journalist for Bloomberg, um, give us some of the big facts, facts about what the budget was all about, some of the numbers, some of the data, how he sees um, the, the announcement made by the finance minister today. Um, and then we're going to try and get insights from folks like Ariba Shahid, who's here, works for profit, um, Samirullah Tarek, who's joining us, and Amar Khan. And then we'll open it up to the audience and answer any questions you may have here, your comments. Um, and if you have something that to say, please feel free to do that as long as it is in a respectful banner um, and I would also request when we open it up to the audience to keep your comments short so that we can involve as many people as possible in this discussion. So with that, uh, Fasi, the economy is back on track. Uh, why don't you give us the rundown over what the announcement was all about and what you know caught your eye and what didn't catch your eye in this announcement? And I think you're on mute, Fasi. Um, I just, just uh, recap, you know, what I saw, what numbers stood out for me. But one of his speeches that um, Pakistan is faced with a difficult choice to strike a balance between need for fiscal consolidation and ever-rising demand for economic stimulus. And as he had promised since day one that, you know, they're going to go into growth mode. And um, the budget basically did uh, reflect all of that, uh, if not more than, you know, what people expected. So, I mean, growth is targeted to go up to 4.8% after 3.9%. And, you know, no new taxes have been put on salaried class. And um, salaries and pensions for government employees have gone up 10%. There have been massive tax breaks in a lot of places, uh, automobile and other sectors. And then, you know, withholding tax has been removed on banking transactions and other stuff. Capital gains tax on stock market has gone down. So those are, you know, the tax breaks. But if you look at the bigger numbers, revenue growth, they're targeting around 25%, which I'm, if I'm not wrong, has never been achieved before. And there is little or nothing on, you know, how that will be achieved. Um, so, yeah, that's one big number and a question that, you know, Sami and Amar and the rest can answer. Financing uh, requirements has increased by 25% to 3.9 trillion rupees. So, yeah, that's a big number again. Uh, we're expecting to raise around $3.5 billion from Eurobonds and Sukuk. Um, Sukuk has been pending. So, so, yeah, there is appetite for both in the market right now. So that shouldn't be a problem. But the one big number that stood out for me is the fiscal deficit number. As I started off by saying that, you know, there needs to be a balance between fiscal consolidation and growth that Shaukat said. Last month, Shaukat expected that, you know, the fiscal deficit would narrow by 1 to 1.5 percentage points. But if you look at the numbers, it's not even a percentage point that he expects fiscal deficit to narrow by. And going by history, you know, we've seen that the target is never achieved. So... I don't know, analysts can comment more on this, but it seems that the fiscal deficit will stay where it is. And the other thing is that, you know, the big question in the room is IMF. What's going to happen with IMF with these numbers? I mean, have we convinced them fully to go on with our plan? Because it doesn't seem that, you know, we have wiggled and found a middle ground that, you know, both parties could be happy with. So I'll stop there and you know, the rest can answer on these questions that have left. So those are important questions, right? I think, firstly, if I sum it up, the questions on the table are what happens with the IMF, the tax target, 
and the fiscal deficit, what happens with that, and, and you know, how does the government meet its numbers, um, which obviously has linkages with the IMF. I think a couple of things that stood out to me as well in this budget was the minimum wage has been increased long time coming to 20,000 rupees, um, given inflation, given everything around it, but that also has an impact on the inflation outlook as well. Um, so as we uh, open up this discussion, I'm trying to connect with Samyula. I think uh, it shows that he's connecting. And so I would love for Samyula to first step in and share his thoughts on what he saw in the budget, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, and then we'll go on to Amar and then on to Ariba. So Samyula, if you can hear us, um, would love your thoughts on what stood out to you in this budget and what's the key takeaway on your end. Am I audible? Uh, yes. Can it, uh, everyone can hear me. Yeah, in my view, uh, one of the few things that uh, uh, were uh, generally visible that the government wants to encourage the manufacturing sector on the whole. Uh, they've reduced duties on raw materials for textiles, uh, where uh, pharmaceuticals, etc., etc. So they want uh, they've uh, almost reduced. Uh, eliminated uh, custom duty and additional custom duty on almost 600 items which are used as raw materials for the textile sector. So that is a major area where they are focusing. They want to rev up the manufacturing. Uh, so that is a major area. But however, if you see on the revenue measures, you can see that uh, the uh, sales tax collection is expected to increase by 31% during next year, while the income tax collection is only expected to grow by... Um, five to six percent so that is a very major number because of the fact that uh, uh, probably income tax collection is not expected to grow a lot because government has reduced the turnover tax from one and a half percent to 1.25 percent on the other hand government intends to bring a lot of new point of sales into its uh, tax net that might increase the overall uh, sales tax collection as that's the first tax that government collects when when any transaction is made the GST. So that could be a major area and in my view that that is the major area where government is banking to increase its revenue to 5.8 trillion. Yes, IMF question is still there but I, I would uh, in my view in next three to four months it would be clear that we are going to achieve this target or not. Uh, the trajectory is going to be clear. So that is a major area in my view that uh, telecom thing is now almost clear that was a, probably a blip by the government. So, Sami, if I may ask you on the on the tax sort of discrepancy, right? Sales tax expected to go up 31%, income tax 6%. For a government that has talked about widening the tax net, bringing in new taxpayers into the system, isn't this an indictment of the government's own inability to broaden the tax net that is aiming for only a 6% increase in income taxes, whereas we all know that there is there are far more income earners in this country that don't pay a fair share of their income taxes and the government should go after them. Two things out of this. First of all, our income tax, which seems that it is a tax on income, is generally not a tax on income. It's Most most of it is by its nature, it's, it's an indirect tax. For example, the first source, the major source of our income tax is imports and second is contracts, which is the PSDB. For every PSDB contract, 10% amount is withheld, which is which counts towards income tax and the imports. So there are their nature is indirect. So first of all, that is one point which confuses even us. And secondly, the sales tax they're going to increase is not due to increase in rate. They're going to they, what their plan seems to be is to increase the POS, the point of sales, which are directly connected to the FBR system. So that is going to bring a lot of uh, new stores or a new point of sales or a lot of transactions which were not on the, the tax net into the tax net. So, uh, yes, if you see the overall ratios, the direct to indirect ratio is going to worsen even more. However, um, uh, they are going to bring a lot of, uh, if, if they are able to bring a lot of new uh, uh, point of sales into tax net, that is going to increase uh, the direct taxes in the future as well as once you document the sales in Pakistan, the purchases are going to be automatically going to be documented. Okay, that's helpful to know. And, and one, one, one more question from my end before I uh, involve the other speakers uh, for the time being on this is how do you look at um, 
sort of the outlook for where the IMF program goes in terms of the negotiations that are still ongoing. Uh, and more importantly, related to that, um, we've seen in the budget a big spike in subsidies, uh, mainly towards the power sector. Um, so how do you see this push in terms of, you know, continued subsidies to the power sector, the IMF trying to say rationalize your tariffs? Um, it is a big bone of contention. The circular debt remains an issue. Um, it, are you going to watch out for the next three, four months to see where this goes? Or what are you going to look for um, in terms of dealing with the crisis in the power sector? Definitely. Uh, the If you see the number, the power sector subsidy has increased and um, uh, it shows that the power sector, the government is giving more subsidy to the power sector. However, in essence, if you see that the power sector subsidy was not budgeted previously, and that was one of the reasons that uh, the circular debt was increasing, as government was giving subsidy which was not budgeted and not dispatched to the distribution companies, with and the price was not even increased and that gap between the cost and the selling price was reflected in the increase in circular debt. So in a way, it's good that uh, if these uh, subsidies are budgeted and financed by the government, how am I the only one who lost Sami, or is this something on my end? I can't hear Sami. Okay, I think he dropped off for a minute there. So I'll bring him on board as the speaker as well. Ariba, switching over to you because I'm trying to connect to Omar as well. Um, what's your key takeaway uh, watching the budget and the announcements and the numbers coming in and what Fasi and Sami have just shared? I think you're on mute, Ariba. Okay, well, while we try to res resolve these connectivity challenges, um, others who want to step in and share their thoughts, uh, please request to speak. I'll bring you into this discussion as well. I see some friends um, as well on this chat, and I'm adding Hassan Howard on this as well so that he can share his thoughts. I think um, the important point on the power sector remains, and that's something we need to keep an eye out on. It will be a major challenge um, in terms of where things go. Uh, with the IMF and overall in terms of the uh, stability of the economy and the sector as a whole. Hassan, I think you can speak now. So I would love your thoughts uh, in terms of how do you see this budget and what, what stood out to you in this? Uh, hi, Ozer. Uh, thank you for inviting me to speak. Um, so I think this is an interesting budget. This is not anything uh, which is not expected because if you look at the FM's uh, speeches, from the last few days, I think he was very clear in terms of what he wanted to do, and the budget is an exact reflection of what he was uh, implying to do. Now, when I look at the budget, uh, I see a big development budget, which I think is good. Uh, there are a lot of uh, tax relief measures. I think that's great. And of course, then you have talked about the salary increase, and the pension increase, the minimum wage increase, and all of that. I think all in all, uh, it would be extremely good to boost the business confidence. And I think that's a big plus. And we did need uh, a dose of positivity, and I think it has, it has been timely. But there are three things that we need to watch for. Number one, and I think that's a question on everyone's mind, is this budget realistic? And we can go into more detail, but the answer varies between... Uh, maybe to maybe not, right? So it's not that it's impossible to implement, but I think there is, of course, it's an budget. So that's one. The second is the question that you asked that uh, what's going to happen with IMF program? And if the IMF program gets suspended, then what are going to be the implications? So I think that's the other issue we need to be watchful of. And the third and the most important issue is that what we are trying to do here is through this budget fiscal policies and then we went on to a path of uh, a boom and bust so i think these are the three questions 
or or kind of dampeners when i look at the budget but i think they we can debate all these three questions uh, if you allow me later in this yeah i think let's i'll, I'll bring you in hasan on these three questions because these are questions i have so, on my mind as well um moise uh, you can speak now so please unmute yourself would love your thoughts on on the budget and how you see it and and some things that stood out to you Uh, Assalamualaikum. Thank you so much, Zair, for inviting me to speak, and I'm honored to speak among some of the very accomplished people over here. I think my first thoughts on the budget is like they somewhat resemble to the general sentiment in the mainstream media. That a budget is a feel-good factor. Aya hai. Isme to koi shak nahi. Like when I interviewed Dr. Asim Jaswaja last year in June, so Dr. Saab said that even though we are fighting through a crisis. We need to make sure to tell the people कि हम आर ये हालात हैं कि हम लुट गए मर गए या बर्बाद हो गए हमें लोगों को ये सेल्फ बिलीव दिलवाना चलो हम एक तकलीफ दे स्टेज से गुजरें बट अच्छे वक्त आएंगे तो एटलीस्ट दिस बजट गिवस द कॉन्फिडेंस टू द पीपल टू द मासज एज वेल टू सम एक्सटेंट कि हाँ भाई अच्छे वक्त आएंगे हाउ एवर हैविंग सेट समथिंग समथिंग डेट रियली एक्चुअली स्टूड आउट फॉर मी के कुछ फंडामेंटल जिसमें एड्रेस हुए हैं जैसे थोड़ी जैसे विद होल्डिंग टैक्सेशन की जो रजीम है वो पर्सनली स्पीकिंग आई फील दैट इट्स अ वेरी रिग्रेसिव मेजर टू बी यूज्ड तो अगर विद होल्डिंग टैक्सेस को डिस्करेज किया जा रहा है तो ये एक अच्छी चीज़ है सेकेंडली इफ़ यू सी द पीएसडीपी एलोकेशंस उसके अंदर 118 अरब रुपए जो है बिजली की ट्रांसमिशन के लिए रखे गए हैं एंड ट्रांसमिशन इज़ वन ऑफ द बिगेस्ट इशूज़ जो कि हमें कैपेसिटी पेमेंट्स जो हमारी एक्सीड हो रही है इस वजह से हैं कि ट्रांसमिशन का आपके पास कोई एक वाइबल निज़ाम नहीं है जिसकी वजह से आपकी बहुत सारी जो कैपेसिटी डी रेटेड कैपेसिटी भी है वो भी आपकी पूरी नहीं होती है आपकी ट्रांसमिशन लाइंस उसको कोप अप नहीं कर पाती हैं तो इफ़ द गवर्नमेंट स्पेंड्स मनी ऑन फंडामेंटल थिंग्स सच एज ऑन मैनेजिंग द कपेसिटी ऑफ द इलेक्ट्रिसिटी और ट्रांसमिशन तो वो भी एक बहुत अच्छी चीज़ है हाउ एवर हैविंग सेट दैट अच्छी चीज़ें बहुत सारी हैं बट वी हैव टू मेक श्योर क्योंकि हम सबको पता होना चाहिए कि रिजर्व्स चलें तेईस अरब डॉलर पे हैं लेकिन वी आर स्टिल नॉट आउट ऑफ द वर्ल्ड्स वी नीड टू मेक श्योर कि अब आपने इन चीज़ों अगर आपके इकोनॉमी में आपकी ग्रोथ आ रही है तो आपको फंडामेंटल जो रिफॉर्म्स हैं जो आपकी इकोनॉमी के फंडामेंटल्स हैं अभी तक उन पर उनको स्ट्रेंथन करना आपके लिए बाकी है आपने उनको स्ट्रेंथन करना दैट इज़ द थिंग दैट एक्चुअली रेज इज लाइक मेरे थोड़ा कुछ अलार्मिंग है मेरे लिए कि अभी तक वी आर येट टू सी के हकूमत जो रिफॉर्म्स हैं जो बेसिक जो प्रॉपर प्रूडेंट रिफॉर्म्स हैं अभी वो होंगे तो जाके इस बजट का हमें फ़ायदा होगा आगे जाके कहीं ये ना हो कि बूम एंड बस साइकिल एक और आ जाए फील गुड फैक्टर ज़्यादा करने के चक्कर में एंड देन द सेम विशेष साइकिल कम्स अगेन सो आई थिंक इट्स थम्स अप टू द फाइनेंस टीम और अवेवर द वर्क इज स्टिल नॉट कम्प्लीट द नीड टू कम्प्लीट द वर्क एंड टॉप इट ऑफ विद सम रिफॉर्म्स So we're not out of the woods, and I'm Moise. I agree with you that we definitely aren't. Uh, Sami, we have you back on, so if you uh, can hear us and are able to speak again, I uh, would love your thoughts on my follow-up question to you was going to be, what about the pensions thing? I know we were chatting on WhatsApp yesterday and having a back and forth on this being something yeah. that's unaddressed. Hassan has talked about this to me previously as well as have others. Uh, so, would love your thoughts on this pensions monster and dealing with that, along with what is a circular debt monster as well. Hmm. There are two things I wanted to discuss. First, continuing with Moiz, that yes, sustainability of this budget. For example, how did the government come into this growth mindset? They came into the growth mindset after they've accumulated reserves, which are twenty-three and a half billion dollars. They're in the current account surplus. and the major impetus was given by the increasing remittances so sustaining that momentum is necessary in order to uh, continue the stable balance of payments and uh, in order to continue the confidence in the investor confidence so that uh, uh, they're confident and uh, there's no major disruption in the government policies uh, they came into a growth mindset after they achieved stability on the balance of payments front so Uh, remittances and exports are the key to balance of payment stability which in turn is is linked to the overall stability of the macroeconomic environment but secondly pensions yes pension is, is a very big problem in my view uh, somebody was was arguing with me that circular debt is a bigger problem circular debt accumulated circular debt right now is which is unfunded is 2.2 2.3 trillion rupees while the pension liability unfunded one is almost uh, 10 times of that between 20 to 25 trillion 
if the estimates are to be believed only one province punjab province has a has an unfunded liability of 6 trillion rupees so that is a major problem because of the fact that our pensions are unfunded and the service rules are very lax uh, the pension rules are very liberal and secondly there is no contributory system if there is a contributory system whereby uh, a certain amount is deducted from the monthly salary and is uh, contributed towards a fund which then provides certain return in order to cover the pension liability obviously that is going to add if there is a hole in that in that uh, to overall pension fund then the government should be liable to fund that hole however uh, uh, we haven't worked towards that and there is a certain resistance from the civil servants secondly if you take it don't take it as a as a threat you take it as an opportunity the pension funds globally are are uh, used for uh, financing healthcare and infrastructure projects which generate returns for the pension funds and they serve as a major saving pool even in india like we when we uh, in launched uh, roshan digital accounts the indian government had launched these much before us and they were Uh, providing nris uh, which which are the non resident indians which are living abroad who are majorly in middle east etc they towards india's uh, postal pension system uh, which they call state pension and uh, with that they contribute their savings over there and they accumulate their savings for their uh, uh, when when they come back or when they are older and they need those savings and they can't work at that time so uh, these pensions we shouldn't look at them as a threat but we could look look at them as an opportunity to finance our infrastructure projects which are available in public private partnership mode and to generate returns and to generate savings so that was my point now that's a very important point right and i think pension reforms is going to as we were talking on our chat like is going to deepen capital markets is going to help meet the uh long term investment needs of the country through long term savings that are predictable that you know the cash flow is a certain amount of money every month every year every decade or so and that can allow the country to sort of fill what we often in economic jar- jargon call the savings investment gap um but for that somebody has to move in terms of reforming the system and i think you're right um other countries have done so not only india but around the world and it is something that is not rocket science it requires some level of political reform and and the ability to get the civil service on board and the bureaucracy on board to move forward on this i mean i think it's a win 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 scenario for everybody including civil servants who will have a guaranteed pension towards the end of their careers as a result of that i'm going to bring in some other folks who requested to speak so nayar i'm adding you and smm i'll add you here i think the broader question um around medium term stability or medium term sustainable or equitable growth uh, remains and i would love to start talking about that in the next half of this conversation as well but um smm you're a speaker please go ahead and then nayar you can share your comments as well so please go ahead yeah thanks a lot uh, uzair for inviting me in uh, this group and uh, i would like to share my thoughts i am not that much technical <laughs> than these people but uh, what that is the thing that is satisfying me uh, being an overseas pakistani as well uh, for couple of months what i am looking at now we have started to tap the main issues the core issues of this country so if you see that these were not the topics of debate in the previous decades and uh, in the previous years so once you are tapping those uh, topics and once you are uh, you know having the insight into the problems even a common pakistani right now has uh, you know some numbers on their fingertips as well so it's quite you know it's quite exciting to see that okay everyone is now getting hold what is going on what is circular debt what is this pension bomb and what is this uh, you know uh, boom and burst cycle so you know it's quite uh, quite i'm being a, an overseas pakistani and being a common man it's very uh, satisfying to see all these developments taking in the country thank you no, no i think you're right and i think that's the overall what the overall objective should be is to have a more financially economically 
in-depth conversation or sophisticated nuanced conversation around the issues because ultimately if there are issues with the circular debt it is ordinary citizens um, as i've argued in my articles i've continued to argue on twitter i've argued with friends and family that at the end of the day it is uh, the ordinary common citizens who have to pay the price of the mistakes made there so it is about time that uh, you know we start engaging educating and listening to people more and more because ultimately the impact of poor choices policy choices economic decisions keeping the currency overvalued etc um end up being borne uh, by the millions of households who have struggled the last 3 years and there's no doubt about the fact that they've struggled uh, tremendously over the last 3 4 years um aswandhya you're in a speaker um please unmute yourself and would love your to hear your thoughts on this as well hi thank you uh, can you hear me yes thank you for giving the opportunity uh, just uh, some background i uh, operate in the retail and e-commerce space so i just wanted to give some uh, sort of uh, insight and input on what uh, was being talked about as far as the indirect taxes the uh, the i feel is the over reliance on uh, gst that's going to be collected from retailers the whole point of sale program uh, that's that's already been underway since 2019 onwards during which they, they've integrated almost 11000 point of sales Uh, under a thousand retailers, and they're planning uh, to, and they're uh, hoping to integrate eighty-five thousand point of sales over the course of the next year and and onward. And I think that's uh, and the, the the fact that uh, the, uh, the reliance on indirect taxes, especially GST from retailers, I think it's uh, it's a stretch in my opinion, especially when they're banking on sort of you might have noticed that there's a sort of they're talking about a prize scheme or a lottery scheme that will be uh, held monthly, and if uh, and the budget speech mentioned something about. a 250 million rupee monthly amount to be uh, sort of given away to customers of uh, retail uh, from who purchase from retailers uh, who uh, are connected with the fbr through the point of sale uh, system and that comes out to like a 3 billion uh, per year uh, for an uh, annual sort of uh, outlay which uh, which seems to be uh, uh, but there's nothing in the finance bill as such that sort of uh, includes this point so this is interesting that the but it's interesting it's a new approach that they're trying to uh, incentivize the customers to to buy from the the integrated or the documented retailers which is interesting but i think there are a lot of distortions in the tax regime which haven't necessarily been addressed in the budget and i'm going to more detail but i'd rather not at this point uh, unless anybody has a particular question in this regard and um, so that's one thing and i think but there are a couple of pluses here regarding the reduction in the mdr on credit card and uh, debit card uh, transactions across the board uh, be it retail or online and uh, uh, there is one another issue which i sort of have a concern about i mean uh, is that the they've uh, they've included any retailer that has a credit card or debit card machine in the definition of a tier 1 retailer no matter how big or small they are uh, which means that they will have to get connected to the fbr system to the point of sale which may actually uh, mean more retailers saying that no thank you i don't want to accept cards and i'd rather stick to cash uh, so these are just just small sort of uh, comments i had regarding the this specific topic Now, thank, thank you, you for sharing that. I think this is that's insightful as well. Um, and important developments, I would say, as small as they may be. Um, Salman Elahi would love to hear your comments. But before I let you speak, um, I see some friends uh, in the audience as well. Musharraf Zaidi from Tabad Lab, Faiz Ahmed, Adil Mansoor, Oveis Zubairi, Amber Rahim Shamsi. So, would love for all of you to chime in uh, if you are so inclined and share your thoughts on the budget. um and all for others who are also listening if you want to share a comment ask a question uh, feel free to request uh, to speak and i'll add you to the uh, to the speakers list as well so salman please go ahead right uh, thank you zair um just a couple of points actually uh, on the um, the just to incentivize digital payments i mean the previous speaker was actually going about uh and i think uh, a lot of us a bit technical and uh, uh just if if you, somebody could elaborate on that you know how is uh, this budget specifically uh incentivizing digital payments uh i know you spoke about uzair about taking off uh gst for for uh, not open ended but over a time span and then uh, sort of you know in creating an incentive structure towards that is there something that, like that going on within this budget and secondly uh, on the pension front i mean how do we transform that to towards the capital market i mean how do what's the uh, how do you operationalize that can the government again 
it's completely non-technical here, but can the government actually take out, make a huge lump sum payment towards the capital markets and just eliminate pensions altogether and, you know, create a 401k or an RRSP uh, along the Canadian and U.S. model, something like that. Like, how do you, how do we go about doing that? Uh, I'd be very interested to hear thoughts on that. Thank you. Sure. No, those, those are two very good questions. My own view on taxes on digital payments is that it should be zero rated. For that, you have to have RASP for scaling up because that's the future in terms of, you know, having the unified payments interface or a national uh, payments trunk line, so to speak, in, in, in uh, mobility terminology. Uh, without that, a lot of this is impossible. But essentially, you reduce the rate, incentivize the consumer to start demanding that they pay using digital payments uh, because there's a tax benefit and that automatically creates the documentation that Sami, for example, was talking about that ne that's necessary. Um, so I think that that's one way to go about it. On pension specifically, Sami, I would love for you to answer this question uh, if you can, in terms of how does this translate into from a policy proposal and policy mechanism towards real money, real dollars, real rupees being transmitted or transferred into the capital markets of the country. Um, so if you can unmute yourself, I would love for you to share your thoughts on this. Definitely, uh, these pension funds, generally, they're the biggest pool of savings and investments for general public. And they act as, obviously, they act as long investors. Uh, in our Even in our market, these life insurance companies, they're one of the long-only long investors in the market. And in big economies, like in Japan, in US, in Canada, these pension funds and life insurance companies, they're big investment, they're big investors and long-only investors. And if you see that, uh, generally, that mutual funds, uh, they, act as invest they, they act as investors, but their investments are generally meant to be uh, very liquid. For example, uh, uh, they want their investments because their investor is the type who can withdraw funds from the ATM directly. So they want their investments to be very liquid and they're, they're like uh, market oriented. But uh, these insurance companies and uh, pension funds, they generally, their views are very long term. So they could be very beneficial for a country like Pakistan where there are a lot of investment opportunities. Even REITs are not developed. So uh, these pension funds, they, they are big, they're big investors in REITs where, where they get uh, stable uh, dividend yields and a long-term capital return on their investments. So they could fund the major housing problem. They could finance the major housing shortage in Pakistan. They could build a lot of housing. They could build uh, healthcare facilities, education facilities, infrastructures, roads, uh, even parking plazas. So a lot of things can happen with these pool of investments and they could also uh, help our capital markets develop uh, where they, they could uh, invest in the newer IPOs, primary issues and help them develop. Even fixed income market is not developed where a lot of things can be done. So these pension funds uh, could help us a lot if, if they're managed well. Uh, yeah, I, I fully agree. And something I would just add one more thing here, like especially sitting here in the United States, these pension funds and in Canada, we've seen this as well, because they're so large, a decision they make with regards to what to invest in or what not to invest in the future. For example, uh, you know, going away from fossil fuels and towards cleaner energy funds, that changes the market. And that changes the dynamics of what an economy starts investing in, what investors look for in terms of return profiles, future projects, et cetera. So I think they play a key role, even in that sense, in terms of building economic capacity in sectors that may be underdeveloped today, but in the next 30, 40, 50 years can be huge. Um, and pension funds have that outlook in terms of saying, okay, fossil fuels are great, have been great for the last few decades. Uh, we're looking towards the future and we're going to try and make the market shift its uh, investments away from fossil fuels in, and towards clean energy. So I think that's an important area as well. Um, Fez, uh, you're here as a speaker. Unmute yourself. Would love your comments on what stood out to you uh, in terms of the budget and what are you looking for? Thanks, Zair. Um, for me, before every, every year when I look at this document, uh, before I look at what the budget for the next year is I look at what their, you know, the provisional data for what they ended up spending for 2021. Um, and, and I'm a bit, you know, confused in terms of last year we heard, and we heard still a lot about, for example, the NEA 
Pakistan housing scheme, etc. We remember there was a 30 billion subsidy, this 3,000, uh, uh, 3 billion markup subsidy as well. But I don't see data that they've spent that kind of money. So I'm, I'm very excited about all of these things they're saying about, you know, they're going to do 5 lakh loans interest-free for people. Obviously, it's consumption-driven uh, GDP growth, which we'll end up, which we saw last year, and we probably will see next year as well. Um, and maybe it's just something we need to do at this point in time to recover as an economy. But I, I, I'm, I'm still looking for evidence in terms of how money was spent last year, all of these schemes, the construction package, uh, the Nehapagasana scheme I mentioned already. Like, where is that money going? Or what has the output been? Uh, because just in terms of Naya Pakistan housing scheme, I think the data is they ended up spending uh, maybe like three billion out of thirty billion, something like that. I'm looking for the data, uh, but but it, it it doesn't seem like there's a lot of movement on that front in terms of them spending. Maybe it's just a messaging mechanism as well, and that works. Uh, but I I think maybe if someone else on this call has a, a few more details, that would be great. Uh, in terms of power, I think this is a budget that's uh, finally making a move towards circular debt management. I agree with Sami, like pension, uh, they need to do a lot more. But given that they've uh, agreed with the IMF to do a circular debt management program, all of these payments to uh, the holding company, IPPs, uh, finally getting rid of the, you know, the, uh, paying the subsidies for tariff differentials, there's a sizable amount. Uh, that's going to Wabda and K, K Electric, and so I'm I'm happy about that. Thank you for sharing your thoughts. As Musharraf is here, Musharraf would love your thoughts on what stood out to you in the budget and what you know how optimistic you are in terms of the announcements that have been made um, and the near-term economic outlook. Of course, I want to shift to the medium-term outlook in just a bit, but would love your thoughts on sort of the key things that stood out to you. I think you're still muted as well. Okay, while we wait for that, uh, Oves, you're also in as a speaker. I would love to hear your thoughts on what stood out to you. So please go ahead. Uh, thank you, sir. I think the budget uh, was, this, I don't know what, how to comment on it because I'm a deficit hawk in terms of definition of deficit hawks. But uh, the claiming that $2.3 billion will be the CAD, that is something which is a big question mark for myself as well. I don't see the oil prices going down anytime soon as well. So I don't know how the government has been projecting that to be $55 billion to be the import bill, which might be a big question mark on the whole budget itself. But I have a question to Sami. Uh, Sami has asked, uh, has created a very valid point on the pension type, right? But one thing I want to highlight, I want to highlight that cap free float is $2.03 trillion. So our pension is approximately 600-700 billion rupees. So how expect that the government goes in all uh, and uh, starts investing in the capital market of Pakistan? If the government to that will make the market to up to 65k to 75k. volatility market, it can make, take, make the market go a lot. I think Sami must have done some working on it. I would love to have his comments on it if the government tries to build a pension fund uh, we are the capital market which already here. Because 100 index, we have a overall free float market cap hai, around 2.0 trillion rupees. I have exact numbers, dekhna padega, but it's close to it. So, the amount of pension requirement in Pakistan is a very amount. Hai. And lastly, I have a question to everyone. How do you guys see that? Because we have only 2.8-2.9 million filers. Hai, and the government has no tax increase. And we are still expecting direct tax increases to be happen. Do you really think that we can add around 600 to 700 billion rupees uh, in the overall taxes? I personally, in my opinion, I don't. I think it's a very idealistic budget. I don't see that happening. I would love to see it happening, but I'm a pessimist by nature, so I may be wrong mostly. So before I let Sami uh -huh. step in on pensions, uh, always to your point on income taxes, right? Sami shared the data with us that income tax collection is expected to go up by 6%. I think if you just even account for inflation, um, in real terms, that's not a, a real increase in, in the income tax target. So I, I am more optimistic on that. I wanted to very quickly share my thought on this before I lost my train of thought. But Sami, uh, broadly speaking on both these questions, particularly on the pension absorption, like how, how does that work? Uh, the government, there's a joke that our government wants to uh, divest their holdings in OGDC and PPL, and they've been putting it off for probably 
75th time in the past 7 years <laughs> because every every time the advisors say that there is not enough demand not not even in the foreigners not in the domestic market so uh, that could be one way to to uh, get their holdings offloaded in uh, ogd cppl state life and uh, a lot of other things which the government owns via uh, launching them on capital markets uh, via selling their shares in secondary market or uh, even even the government's land bank which is a major thing they have lands all over the place uh, in, in parked in different ministries they could sell them to these funds to develop for example if you see that state life insurance company they have a lot of buildings in our city in karachi and they manage these buildings they generate returns although those buildings are not very spectacular but they earn decent return and their prices have uh, increased significantly exponentially over past years so uh, uh, someone could do could do that insurance companies and pension companies own a lot of real estate globally so uh, they could do that as well they could uh, invest in the market directly and uh, that probably a lot of liquidity could encourage other people to issue their equities and offload their uh, stakes in the market the biggest uh, candidates would definitely be ogd cppl and government other entities even government wanted to privatize at one point in time they wanted to sell their stake in ghpl government holding private limited which owns stakes in all um, all uh, oil exploration wells where production is being conducted government owns stakes in those companies so government wanted uh, to offload that company as well as you know our government is an eternal borrower so it would help them to generate funds from a non debt avenue thanks for that overview so we must share of i know you rejoined as a speaker so would love your thoughts if you're around uh, before i ask my next question so what stood out to you in this budget and uh, how would you rate it so far based on the first day's reactions i uh i i'm uh, i'm the opposite of uh, deficit hawk uh at least for now i think you know these ideologies or these positions uh should evolve over time and in accordance with the state of the economy but more importantly with the state of the political economy so i i had a couple of things to say on uh on the discussion around pension funds in particular uh and i really learned a lot from uh from sami and 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 the other speakers uh because i'm driving i haven't been able to follow who's been speaking when but i you know it's a fantastic discussion thank you for organizing this uh, so because i'm the opposite of a deficit hawk uh i i love this budget uh the size of the psdp uh alone is uh is worth you know is worth the price of admission there's a bunch of tweaks here and there that that don't work and they reflect what's broken in the system writ large um we'll continue to see things like that as long as uh bureaucrats both in service civil servants but also lifelong bureaucrats of the kind that run the finance ministry and and uh and help run the finance ministry uh, in this case it's dr waqar and uh and shaukat saab and uh, and others um so so those you know like the telco taxes i mean it's interesting that you know the government thinks that it can announce three and then withdraw one and then maybe everybody else will forget about the fact that an additional rupee is going to be charged on voice calls now who does voice calls especially if you think about this in the context of 5g coverage and smartphone access the people that are using 2g phones or what we call feature phones to do voice calls are the people that are at the wrong end of the spectrum anyway so rather than bringing those people into the loop there you know we're we're at the risk here of penalizing uh that segment uh again i don't think that's the the whole budget that is one tiny segment of the budget by and large i love the fact that it's as ambitious as it is the money won't all be spent we know this we know that utilization numbers are a shadow of actual allocations year on year but the point is that this signals an intent and the intent is expansionary and that's going to generate growth which is what this economy uh, needs um if you guys can still hear me as i had just on the pensions very quickly yeah go ahead yeah so on the pensions i think the idea around pension funds is is fantastic i know that when khalid mirza was the uh, khalid mirza was the founding chairperson of the scpp and one of the things that he was doing and i know this because i worked on this at the scpp with him like 20 years ago 
was the uh, development and deepening of capital markets. A lot has happened since then. Of, of course, the market is much more mature. But one of the things that we still haven't been able to do is uh, is establish a pension funds uh, space in which the things we were talking about could happen. I just wanted to point to why that's the case, because it isn't the reason isn't that there aren't smart people like the folks that have spoken about this on this on this uh, in this room. Right. I mean, the reason is there's a lot. Uh, the fact is, there's a lot of smart people who've gone into government year after year, uh, term after term. Doesn't matter which political party, military, civilian. They go into government with these ideas and then they find a couple of things that basically completely, uh, completely block any pathway to that kind of a reform. In the case of pension funds, and again, this is coming from a guy that grew up in Ontario, a Ma Toronto Maple Leafs fan. Why that's relevant is that the Toronto Maple Leafs, one of the most valuable franchises in the NHL, is owned in part by the Ontario Teachers Pension Fund. And this is a major part of the cultural milieu or the cultural space around, around, around pro sports. Several teams are owned by pension funds. The reason that a pension fund run by teachers can do that in Canada and the reason why the Punjab Teachers Association Pension Fund, A, doesn't exist and B, wouldn't never be able to do uh, engage in a transaction or an investment decision like that is because the governance mechanisms around these are completely dominated by the Pakistan Administrative Service and to some extent the Secretariat Group and others once in a while, Commerce Group or others that make it into the uh, top echelon of either the Ministry of Finance or other relevant ministries. The boards that run, uh, that would run pension funds would be so overwhelmed by the number of de facto or uh, ex officio secretaries representing various divisions of the government that they'd never be able to make any serious decisions. And if they did, every single decision would end up on Rauf Klasra or on uh, Amir Mateen or on any number of you know television shows and half the people on this call would be convinced that there's actual corruption going on and half the people on this call would be convinced so so i think the reason i bring all this up is that when we think about sol solutions to obvious problems i mean we, we have a massive pensions liability it's just grown because a 10 percent increase is going to balloon whatever numbers we already had the, every government does it, so there's nothing particularly evil about Khansab doing it. But at the end of the day, the solution is going to have to be grounded in the specific corporate governance and political economy realities of where we're operating, rather than kind of almost like this static or neutralized idea uh, of, of let's set up a pension fund. Yes, let's, but there's a, there's a very long pathway to that point, and a lot of reform would need to happen in order for those kinds of things to come to fruition. Thanks. No, I think those are very valid, valid points. And I would just add, in, in addition to being on Rauf Klasra or Amin Mateen, um, NAB would be taking notices as well. And, you know, the old issue of files not moving will probably uh, bring to a halt the pension funds, uh, investment decisions and choices as well. But I also love how Musharraf, you brought in the maple leaves here as well. Um, for those of you who, uh, of you who don't know, Michelle is a big ice hockey fan and loves to talk about the Maple Leafs, and I, I just love giving him shit about it. Um, Dr. Homa Saif is here. Um, if you can unmute yourself, uh, please do, and would love your comments on this. And then we have A. Tilda. I don't know your full name, so would Arif Photos and would love your thoughts on this as well. So, Dr. Homa, please go ahead if you're here with us. Thank you so much, Uzair, for extending the mic. I just have a quick question. You have to pardon my limited knowledge on this area, but I'm just wondering, is the Pakistan government pension scheme pretty much similar to 401k? If so, I mean, if they do invest in bonds, stocks, and different sectors, don't you think it's a humongous opportunity to, for a lot of sector, sectors to be built and strengthened by government, if it's the same model? That's my question, actually. Thank you for that. My assumption is that, yes, it works in a very similar way in terms of a 401k or an IRA or any other pension fund where there are defined contributions that would go in. But of course, it would be set up and, and would depend on how it's structured in the Pakistani context. But typically, yes, it's a, that's how the uh, fund would operate. And yes, you're right. It would help develop a lot of sectors. Hello, everyone. As well. uh, so, um, Arif, please go ahead. Is, uh, that, uh, Aziz, yeah. 
uh, when Fata merger came into KP, they uh, said that they were. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for the opportunity. I am also not expert, but I have one question, or rather two questions in this. First is, will IMF approve this? Because IMF is mainly focused on increasing the tax revenue, and taxes are not increased. This is one question. And second question is, uh, is about inflation. I would like to talk about the uh, actual share uh, of Fata in uh, this budget because they were saying that. Yeah, the sec- second question is related to inflation. Now, as government is saying they are in, they, they will increase the tax revenue through indirect taxes, won't that be a direct effect on inflation? So these are the two questions for me to expect. So I think this is a good good segue into um, my, my own question around the sort of medium-term outlook or even the near-term outlook in the context of the IMF. Sami, like, would love you to... Ch- step in here again and you know the question I have and I tweeted about this as well Amar was going to join us and he also sort of tweeted this half sarcastically half in jest that you know we're basically opening the spigots for consumption-led growth Uh, and we all know where this consumption-led growth ends Pakistan's economy up in Um, so how does everything proceed from here on out with a bullish outlook on remittances, a bullish outlook on maintaining a current account deficit, uh, you know, earning a lot more money in petroleum levy than is possible, especially if oil prices continue to rise and the government says we're going to bear the brunt of that by cutting the petroleum levy. Um, how do you square uh, this growth-oriented budget, um, this budget that rejects austerity, that looks at a 7% fiscal deficit, increases public sector development spending, um, in a significant manner with the idea that Pakistan is still in an IMF program where the IMF is going to push for austerity uh, from this government. Definitely that is a major uh, contradiction in this budget. If you see that uh, um, the budget is overall, the budget is expansionary, it's growth oriented and it hinges upon the stability of balance of payments. So as I said earlier as well, if the government is unable to generate or uh, receive remittances more than 32, 33 billion dollars, then there's going to be a problem for balance of payments once again. As we understand that the exports growth is it's difficult to achieve an exports growth of more than 10, 12 percent. So uh, yes, uh, that is a major problem. First of all, secondly, the assumption for petroleum levy of 610 billion against last year's collection of 450 billion. That is also uh, doesn't seem realistic under current oil price scenario because last year the oil prices were low. Government was able to collect almost 30 rupees PL for a major part of the year. Now towards the end, we are only collecting 4 rupees per liter on petrol. So taking it back to 30 rupees uh, for, for to collect 600 billion, there is a major increase of more than 25%, almost 25% on uh, 450 billion. So in, if we assume that the consumption increases by 5-7%, so we'll have to increase the prices by almost 30 to 35 rupees per liter. So that is going to be, that is going to bring major inflation. So as the respected person said, that um, due to reliance on uh, indirect taxes, obviously the budget is going to be, uh, the revenue targets are going to become inflationary. So that is true. Uh, so and secondly, the ambitious target of collecting GST of 2.5 trillion that also seems too idealistic. Obviously, uh, with the fact that uh, government is uh, uh, relying to achieve this target via uh, connecting these POS, but these targets of connecting these POS was has been since Shabar Zadi took charge uh, in 2019, 2018-19. So, uh, in my view, uh, uh, there are a lot of ifs and buts in this budget, in this budget, and uh, we're going to see in next three to four months that uh, would we be able to uh, achieve the budgetary targets, or uh, we're going to go back what the IMF says. Thank you for that. And I think just on the POS uh, point, um, as Mushara was talking about earlier, that we need to look at solutions and what's being proposed within the context of Pakistan's political economy, documenting um, the trade sector, the wholesale retail sector, 
um, has been on the list of successive governments since Musharraf, since I remember from Musharraf era and since then. And we all know that these are deeply influential political groups um, that have a lot of power politically, especially in terms of a government heading up into elections um, and trying to, you know, re recoup some of the political capital it may have lost over the last couple of years of, in terms of the stabilization policy, etc. So to do, um, to go after these trading groups that are vote banks um, across the board, particularly in Punjab, um, is going to be a challenge. And I think we need to take that into account um, as well. Uh, so I just wanted to share that part uh, on the POS point as well. Faiza Khan would love for you to share your thoughts and then we can go towards Oweh Zuberi. So please go ahead. Hi, everybody. Um, I'm good. I'm a complete layman uh, or lame woman, whatever you want to call it, in terms of uh, budgets and uh, economics. And therefore, I wanted a TLDR on what actually was presented. My question is, as a small business owner in which uh, the environment has not been very feasible for the past two years, in which we have been drowned under taxations and excessive other dues which come our way, or in the face of a, a salaried class who has not uh, been touched upon whatever economic wonders the government is talking about, how has this budget been able to bring any type of relief for this category of people? Do you think that this uh, budget is a, a relief? If so, for which categories? And is it actually going to help us in the long run? Thank you. So I think um, one of the things that caught my eye um, when I was getting some messages about what was announced was the reduction in tax liability by 25% for women entrepreneurs. So that's I saw it as a positive. I messaged a couple of friends to understand what this was about. And this is essentially an incentive to get women-owned businesses uh, to you know enter the formal market, to formalize, register, and operate as businesses as they should, and then you know be part of the economy. So I think that's a good step. I think to your overall larger point um, around uh, who is the budget expected to bring relief to? I think, for example, raising the minimum wage to twenty thousand rupees is a good step. Um, but budgets by themselves um, are not going to bring relief to a significant amount of people beyond sort of increasing minimum wage or beyond providing increased cash transfers or increasing the budget of the SAS or the Benazir Income Support Program. The question we should be asking is, uh, as you rightfully asked, is does this lead to long-term economic growth or what does it do to the long-term economic prospects of the country? Um, and I think, as Sami said, and many of us agree here in this room, that that is to be seen um, because Pakistan has seen many such previous spurts of growth um, through consumption-led growth. And things don't end really well because the exports don't go up because the reforms that are supposed to be made are not made when there is space and time for doing those reforms. And Pakistan ends up, uh, its economy ends up going into a crisis, mainly because of its external sector going out of balance. So I think the jury is out um, in terms of what this uh, budget does. Um, I am, however, looking at the numbers and as Musharraf said, like, you know, it is an optimistic budget. It is a budget that reaffirms investor confidence that tries to do a lot of the things right. And of course, a lot of the money that's being projected will not be collected, will not be spent. Uh, but it is uh, an indication of where the government is looking to do. And I think if it does achieve what it's setting out uh, itself to do, um, then there will be uh, many, many millions of households that will benefit. Uh, and many millions of these households have truly struggled in the last three years. And I think that's what the objective should be um, in this. Um, Sami, I don't know if you wanted to add anything uh, in addition to my monologue in terms of the long-term outlook. And the long-term outlook, obviously, that depends. For example, budget is only one factor. In that matter, the policies towards uh, empowering the youth uh, and creating opportunities for general population, employment opportunities and earning opportunities by upgrading the skills. That is a major uh, portion, where uh, major area from where we can generate growth, which is sustainable and inclusive. So that is a major area. Uh, government has has a lot of programs, but I don't know, know that, that what, what is the efficacy. For example, these programs like Kanyab Jawan, etc., etc., where we could uh, upgrade the skills of our youth and other people to uh, make them competitive in the global labor force. Uh, IT is one area where, where we could focus and generate, not only generate exports, but also generate employment and taxes 
and economic activity for the whole economy uh, so th- those are the major areas budget could only uh, do some things obviously it has its limitations government was under the imf program and the covid is still there in, around the world so uh, in my view uh, budget is only a small uh, thing in the whole scheme but the overall uh, direction is important and before i sort of invite faisal kamar and then i think aswindyar had some additional comments to share um, also it's important to look at not just the federal budget after the 18 amendment there is a lot of spending power and a lot of actual uh, micro level impact comes from the provincial side of the budget and so it's important to look at what are provinces prioritizing what are their plans for improving healthcare for improving education in particular uh, where pakistan for example if you look at the statistics its youth literacy according to the un is now below countries like rwanda it is the lowest uh, youth literacy in south asia uh, minus afghanistan so th- those are areas where actually the long term economic outlook uh, for the country and for the socio economic progress of the citizens uh, is wholly dependent on what state governments or provincial governments uh, prioritize and i think we should we will have those budgets come out in the next few days and should keep an eye out on those as well and ask the tough questions over there as well where you know if you look at the trajectory of the spending in in terms of provincial budgets for education for, uh, in particular um, a lot of money has been spent but are we really seeing the right level of impact of that spend so far probably not and so again we should keep an eye on those budgets um, as they come out special comer please go ahead uh hi so uh so i have a uh uh maybe it's a question maybe it's an observation So there's like a proposed 5 rupee tax per gigabyte use. Uh it hasn't been approved yet, but it wasn't like in a proposal phase. Uh so I was thinking like there are like two sides to this coin. One is obviously it's going to reduce the usage as it's going to impact like you know like more users paying more taxes uh on data use, but on the other side is like you know uh facebook recently got uh like a contract to build 1600 kilometers of uh, uh high speed uh data pipelines in pakistan uh like in my head uh, i mean the question is like if uh like in a digital pakistan who owns all this data that is going to travel back and forth you know i would rather have nadra or like you know uh some telecommunication authority or the federal government owning this data but if we allow you know like uh uh independent corporations like google and facebook and, and like amazon to build up our infrastructure it's it's going to be a price that we'll have to pay down the road thanks no fessel you're right and on the tax thing i think the government has verified um that some of those proposals were not approved by the cabinet so i don't think that particular tax that you mentioned is coming um but on the larger question about uh data sovereignty what happens with this data even beyond the corporation right pakistan still does not have a data protection and privacy law um and there is a need for that um you cannot have a digital pakistan without the regulatory mechanism by which data is governed and transmitted and stored uh defined and that in and of itself is a major a uh, long term you know not a long term but a major issue that needs to be debated in parliament hashed out with multiple stakeholders we've seen how some of these laws for example the pakistan electronic crimes act uh, was drafted it is a draconian law how some of the social media rules were drafted and are now being debated and amended so all of those things have to happen and i think um, there's a larger conversation to be had about who owns the data of pakistani citizens and by what regulations and rules should they exercise uh people should exercise ownership over their own data um always so very uh, if you're here i know you dropped off earlier but i would love to hear your thoughts on the budget and what stood out to you right uh, thank you zair uh, a fantastic discussion first of all uh, there are a couple of points actually i'll start off with what fessel was talking about uh, it is actually uh, the lack of uh, data protection law especially our compliance to gdpr uh that has stopped a lot of uh people who work in the digital space in the it space from getting contracts from europe 
since they enacted the gdpr so i think uh, having proper legislation around data protection uh, can become a profit center uh, for the it industry and boost our exports so that's one thing overall uh, i thoroughly enjoyed your uh, and sami's uh, points on the long term growth and actually i had the point uh, i had a few points around that also so overall uh, uh the in the in the shorter term i think the budget uh, is a, is a sigh of relief i guess uh with with the capacity that we've got to uh, provide tax relief i think the, the the government has actually uh set the tone right uh, which is a good thing uh but uh, you know as uh, uh, if we look at it from an industry standpoint and this uh, constant struggle of boom and bust and uh, Uh, consumption-led growth that uh, Amar was talking about. Uh, I every single time in every single budget, I am looking for uh, some concession on capital good import uh, to be provided by uh, the government, which is never the case. So, if we intend on as a country uh, intend on boosting exports. the only way our exports are going to be competitive if the operational expenditure and the capital expenditure are both reduced uh, this time we saw uh, some uh, reduction done uh, on on the duty and taxation regime on raw materials but uh, we still don't see any improvement in in the duty and taxation regime on import of machinery which is crucial especially if we are uh, intending to boost our exports so that was one thing which was a miss from my side and connecting that back to what you were talking about and sami was talking about about long term growth uh, i think it is most crucial that we uh, the government puts in uh, money and incentivizes uh, machinery import and therefore industrialization that can enhance our capacity to export further so that was the the one point that was a miss for me but on the shorter term it looks good thanks for sharing your thoughts obesh um my goal was to have this discussion go about 15 minutes to an hour i think we're over an hour now so i would love to wrap things up uh, this has been a great discussion thank you to all of you uh, for chiming in in particular fasi samula Uh, for agreeing at the last minute for you know leading this discussion and being things off i really appreciate that um to those of you who i could not get to and who had requested uh to speak i apologize we're out of time uh but again i think uh, my goal is to have a couple more of these discussions um as the provincial budgets come out because again as i said those are very important revelations as well and we need to keep focused i would argue more focused on those uh than the federal budget given the power provincial governments have in terms of determining medium and long term socio economic outcomes in the country uh so again thank you so much to all of you for joining uh, i hope you found this discussion valuable and learned something i really did from the discussion and look forward to seeing you uh, in more similar spaces in the next few days so thank you and khuda hafiz